welcome to my mommy's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley Apple Cider Vinegar Complex, and they are capsules, which is important because you can get all the healing properties of apple cider vinegar into your daily diet without the fuss or the burn or the taste that some people just don't like. Apple cider vinegar is really cool because it's been shown to support digestion and the proper breakdown of proteins and amino acids for better absorption. It's also known for improving blood sugar response, and this helps a lot with satiety and cravings. The main ingredient is acetic acid, which supports in the body and extracting nutrients from food. And using this by the body may actually help increase, like I said, satiety and help the body avoid storing excess fat, which uh, is really cool if you're trying to lose or maintain weight. Paleo Valley combines apple cider vinegar with other healing spices like turmeric, ginger, cinnamon, and lemon so that you get extra benefits for digestion. This means that taking it with a meal can help you get the most bang from your buck from your food since it stimulates the body's natural ability to produce HCL, which protects the stomach from pathogens and helps us break down our food. Other research shows that its ability to really help with blood sugar control. And there was even a cool study on type 2 diabetics who took two tablespoons before bed and saw a 4% to 6% reduction in their fasting blood sugar the next morning, which is a big deal if that's something that you're tracking. You can learn more about this and all the Paleo Valley products by going to paleovalley.com forward slash mama and make sure to use the code mama15 to save 15%. So again, that's paleovalley.com forward slash mama, M-A-M-A, and the code mama15, M-A-M-A 15 to save 15%. This podcast is sponsored by Olipop, a company reinventing the idea of soda. It's no secret that most things that we think of as soda are not so great for your body with the massive amounts of sugar and often added artificial ingredients. But Olipop is a new kind of soda that tastes just like the sodas we grew up with, but unlike other sodas, it's packed with natural ingredients that are actually good for you and that help keep your gut happy too. They have delicious, nostalgic flavors like vintage cola, classic root beer, orange squeeze, cherry vanilla, and strawberry vanilla. Strawberry is my current favorite, but I really enjoy all of their flavors. And they use functional ingredients that combine the benefits of prebiotics, plant fibers, and botanicals to support the microbiome and to benefit digestive health. There's also a massive difference in the sugar content. Their vintage cola has just two grams of sugar compared to a regular cola that has 39 grams of sugar. All of their products are non-GMO, vegan, paleo, and keto friendly with less than eight grams of net carbs per can. And they're so confident that you will love their products as much as I do, that they offer a 100% money back guarantee for all orders placed through their website. We've worked out a special deal just for Wellness Mama listeners. Save 15% off of your purchase. I recommend trying their variety pack if you want to find what flavors you love the most. This is a great way to try all of their flavors and you can grab it at drinkolipop.com slash wellnessmama or use the code wellnessmama to claim the deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P.com slash wellnessmama. And you can also find them in many stores, including Kroger, Whole Foods, and Sprouts. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com. That's wellness with an E on the end. And this podcast is all about breath work and how this can affect our health and lead to feelings of safety in our own body, parasympathetic nervous system activation, and so much more. I'm here with Josh Trent, who is the founder of Wellness Force Media and host of the podcast by the same name. He's also the creator of a Breathe Wellness program. And he has spent the past 18 years as a trainer, researcher, and facilitator in this world. And he shares a lot of his expertise and insight, especially related to breathwork, which I think is an often underestimated tool for really dramatically improving health. And he talks about how breath is the only lever we can manually pull that directly affects uh, so many aspects of the nervous system and the sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system connection. And since we are all breathing all day long, he talks about how small changes in this area can have a really profound effect in things like our sleep, our HRV, uh, many other aspects of health and wellness. And he gives some tools on how to develop this habit in ourselves and in our children, some really practical advice. And I think you will really enjoy. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to chat with you because you know a whole lot more than I do about a topic I've been delving into recently, and I think can be really helpful and impactful, especially for a lot of the parents listening. And I know you're a new parent, so you're getting to apply these strategies very directly in your own life right now. Yes. 
but to start broad and then kind of narrow down from there, walk us through for people who aren't, maybe are familiar with the term, but not really the specifics, walk us through what breath work is. So breath work is the controlled release and response of respiration. So it's the only lever we can pull, Katie. We have this autonomic nervous system, right? The sympathetic, the parasympathetic, which I'm sure you've gone deep into on your show. But for people that don't know, just a super high level of breath work, we have these two areas in our body that are controlled by the automatic nervous system, autonomic. Breath is the only lever we can pull in our entire physiology where we can actually manually downregulate stress. Now, how incredible is that? Because there's nothing else we can do. We can't control our heart rate. We can't digest our food faster or slower. We can't pulse our blood through our heart faster or slower. I mean, unless you're like a Shaolin monk, I've heard they can do some interesting things. But think about this. Breath work is the only lever we can pull that'll allow us to really modulate our stress. And so on a high level, breath work is controlling that lever. It's so fascinating to me. Can you walk us through kind of the science of what, like how that actually works within the body? Because it makes sense. We can't, like you said, most of us can't control our heart rate or control how much blood is pumping through our system, but in indirectly controlling our breath does affect those things as well. Kind of walk us through what's happening in the body in different states of breath and how that impacts us. Sure. So let's use the example of me being a new dad. When I hear my baby cry, I go like this. <sighs> I, I breathe in and I hold my breath. So when we breathe in, that's actually a, constr a constriction, a contraction. When we're breathing in through our nose, we're actually activating the sympathetic nervous system. When we exhale through our mouth, we're activating the parasympathetic. So how do we do this in a circle so that we're actually present in our body? And for those who are spiritual minded, I'll talk to you. And then for those who are scientific minded, I'll talk to you too, because breath work is both you know, science and spiritual. So when we have the inhale, we have these spherical cores in our nose. And when we breathe in, we're actually admitting ourselves to the stress that we're experiencing. A lot of people, Katie, they'll leave their body when they're stressed out. And it could be a, a child crying. It could be you in traffic. It could be a fight with a spouse. It could be like load up any kind of stress in the bathtub. Most people don't breathe through their nose. And so when you bypass the nose, you actually miss out on your nervous system being friends with the stress that you're experiencing. So on a scientific level, we have that, that air that's, that's going through the spherical cores in the nose that goes into our lungs. And then when we exhale through our mouth, we're turning on the parasympathetic system. Now, the even more depth of science on this is that we have what's called the enteric nervous system, which science shows us as the second brain. The enteric nervous system dovetails into the back of the diaphragm. And then on the back of the diaphragm, we also have our vagus nerve, which runs all the way from the back of the cranium, all the way down to that diaphragm. So think of the diaphragm as like the most important balloon you have in your entire body and the enteric nervous system and the central nervous system and your vagus nerve, they all connect to that diaphragm. So Katie, here's what happens when we take that deep breath in through our nose and the diaphragm fills with air, we are actually pushing physiologically on that vagus nerve. The vagus nerve has a direct impact on the parasympathetic nervous system as well. So why do we do this? Science shows us also my anecdotal experience and thousands of people who have taken the Breathe, Breath, and Wellness program, we are all hearing and seeing the same thing. And that is when you're using what's called circular conscious connected breathing, you're actually turning on all these synergetic systems in the body so you can be friends with your stress. And that's really the science and the spirit of breath work. You know, thousands of years ago, breath work came from India and in the East. And I think in the West, we've been so inundated with stress and we're like the highest stress people we've ever been. We need breath right now more than ever. And so the science is great, but really it's like, how do you feel? The report card of how you feel and how you're using this conscious respiration, uh, that is the most important thing. Yeah. And I think I've always kind of thought of it in sort of like a triage effect kind of way. And I mentioned like, I'm kind of on a journey with the breathwork side myself, but it's actually not hundred percent scientifically accurate, but that saying that we can go three minutes without air, three days without water, three weeks without food kind of to me indicates the importance of in order optimizing those things. And I feel like a lot of people uh, understand the importance of drinking clean water, for instance, and the importance of eating clean food. But the breath part until recently, at least hasn't been talked about as much, which is interesting because we are doing that all day, every day, and so much more. So it would seem like uh, on a base level, the quality of the air we're breathing makes a big difference. And the quality of the way that 
in which we're breathing makes a really big difference as well, just because it's something that we're doing literally all the time, even when we're sleeping. And I know that it seems like there's kind of a woo connotation with breath work and changing breathing in certain ways. And so I think often it gets discounted, but I think it's also really important to remember this is something we're doing all day, every day. So can we, by consciously working on our breath work and our patterns, can we create changes that are actually like lasting even when we're kind of just breathing without thinking about it? Oh yes. And and for the people who are science-minded for your show notes, I can give you PubMed study after PubMed study about the benefits of what I call conscious controlled respiration or circular breathing. But I want to talk about two things because you mentioned something really amazing. We're all breathing all day long. So for the people who are like, oh, breath work is woo woo or breath work might be too much work. You're already doing it anyways. Like that's the big thing to point out here. Everyone is breathing all day long, but we are breathing from what's called an upper cross position our scalenes, our sternocleidomastoid, our pec minor, our pec major, we're all flexed forward in this life, Katie. Like we're driving, we're on the phone. Everything we do is sagittal plane. So my background's 10 years in fitness. I was a health professional. So 10,000 hours with clients. And the number one thing that I saw, especially with moms, when I was helping moms that were either postpartum or even moms that were just dealing with a lot of stress and they have more than one child, they're all forward flex. They're all kyphotic. On the back of their thoracic spine, they have this bubble. What's that? What that's doing is that's pulling their shoulders in and it's actually turning off everything you and I talked about earlier with the vagus nerve, the enteric nervous system, and the diaphragm. And so when that's happening, women specifically are actually getting less oxygen than they were designed. And then they get what's called carbon dioxide toxicity. So over the course of time, their cells get less oxygen. So how do we fix this? We fix this by first doing the corrective movements, which I talk about in the breathe program. Getting your chest to open, your posture, your posture is so huge for getting respiration. And Katie, like if we're not in the right posture, if we're slumped forward, you could read all the books, you could take all the programs to breathe right, but you have to address your posture first. So that's something that for the people who might say breath work is woo. Well, actually breath work is very scientific. It's very physiologically connected to our posture and the way that we sit right now, I'm actually on this meditation cushion. Um, I'm doing this interview and I have a little backrest. I'm sitting upright. You'll notice too, when you ask me questions or when I'm present with you, I close my mouth because I'm breathing through my nose. And that's something we can dive into a little bit later is the impact on posture and nasal breathing and breathing through the diaphragm. So it's for everyone. And for the people that knock it, I get it. I understand because there's a lot of woo-woo stuff out there. You know, there's a lot of things out there that people jump on the bandwagon for. And the next thing you know, people are on the top of a mountain saying like, hey, we should all breathe wearing a crystal around our neck. Well, breath work is for those people, but it's also for the average people like you and I, people that have a lot of stress and, and people that really want to use it for the right reason. Yeah. I love that you brought up the differences, especially for women. Cause that was a thing I noticed after 10 years of being pregnant and breastfeeding is just the amount of time you spent spend bent forward, holding a baby or nursing a baby and that posture change. And it was something I had to really consciously correct through my posture, through body work, even to kind of rearrange my fascia back to where it was supposed to be. And like I mentioned, I'm learning the breath work side now, but it also seems like there's a little bit of societal conditioning that seems to happen somewhere in the teenage years where like that diaphragm breathing, women tend to stop doing it as much because we want to look like thinner and our abs tucked in. And so I feel like women especially tend to breathe more in their upper shoulders and not into their diaphragm. Do you notice that as well? I 100% noticed that. And it's a great point because think of like the baby carrier. We just got like a, I forget the name of it, but it's like this baby carrier that you put in the front. It's all front loaded. So everything that moms do is about this, what's called sagittal plane, you know, in our movement patterns, we have sagittal, we have transverse, we have frontal, we are designed to rotate, to pull back, but everything as far as a mom's life, and especially in our society where it's tech focused, it's actually pulling them down to the ground. It's pulling mothers down to the ground. So moms have to work on their posterior chain, their intercostals, by the way, the intercostals go all the way around to the back, all the way to your kidneys. So when moms, specifically when moms have a little bit of trouble in our breathe program, I will direct them to breathe through their kidneys, which sounds a little weird, right? Why would a mom breathe through her kidneys? Well, because your intercostals are back there as well. And so if you can create what's called the mind to muscle connection to the intercostals and to all the breathing, the breathing musculature in your body, you're going to have this be a habit that sticks in 21 days. 
That is what this is all about is training your posture to have that mind and muscle connection. If you don't have it, then you're going to go through the motions, Katie. And that's just not fair to anyone. Like I want people to get the best results. There's a huge backstory as to why I even got into breath in the first place. It came from my own anxiety. It came from my own poor posture. It came from me, just like you being a professional and being in the field of wellness, yet working on my own wellness, right? Which is, I think the story of the wounded healer becoming healed. So, so we're all in this, in the same reason. And that is to breathe so that our breath can set us free. That's, that's really what this is all about. And you also mentioned the vagus nerve, and I'd love to go a little bit deeper on this because I think this is another thing that we're just starting to understand, or at least starting to talk about more. And I think it's super important. And from an anecdotal perspective, I noticed when I really started being more conscious of my breath and making time to breathe more and breathe intentionally, I noticed big changes in my heart rate variability. And I wondered maybe this goes back to the vagus nerve connection, or I'm curious if you see this in other people as well, but for people who probably have heard me talk about this term before, but if they haven't, HRV is the the measure of variability between our heartbeats. And from the data I've seen, it's actually a really good predictor of longevity and overall health. And also it's a good stress indicator. Um, Athletes often use it as a measure for recovery. So they wouldn't want to train if their HRV was low because it would be a higher risk of injury, for instance. But I'm curious what you see when it comes to HRV. And if you think that maybe is linked to the vagus nerve or something else. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, there's a multifaceted answer for that. And the, the HRV, uh, for people that don't know, it's this micro time between when your heart beats, the greater variability, the greater health. So the higher your HRV score is, and you can get it through a fingertip app on the phone. I have a bed called eight sleep. So I get it through the bed. You can also do it through or device. All these devices are great. The main thing is that you just want to see your HRV either stay the same or increase based on your adaptability to stress. So how can breath impact this? And this is like the ultimate home run. Breath impacts HRV because when you're using your respiration to both clean out your cells, clean out the carbon dioxide in your cells, get in the fresh oxygen, well, then guess what? You're going to be more adaptable to stress. The number one thing, and I mentioned earlier, when my son cries, I go like this. Well, any mom with us knows that when your baby cries or when you're in that fight or flight mode, what is the first thing that we do, Katie? We stop breathing. And so if we can train ourselves to breathe effectively and to breathe consciously, like circular connected breathing, we are going to show up in a much more loving state and a much more open state. And guess what? The HRV will absolutely reflect that. So I love how you've been asking such scientific questions. And I also want to speak to the heart in everyone. Lots of times we can get caught up and I don't want to presence this because I've fallen into this trap too, Katie. I want to see the data. I want to see my HRV score. I want to see my adaptability score. I want to see all my science. And then I forget, oh yeah, I'm a human being in a meat suit walking around on a rock in the middle of outer space. Okay. So there's so much more than just data when it comes to the breath. And like I said before, if we, if we can breathe, then we can actually choose. This is on my arm and it's se posso respirare, posso scegliere. And what that means in Italian is if I can breathe, I can choose. I mean, it's on my arm for my own reminder for myself because I struggle with anxiety for so long in my life. And the only thing that really allowed me to break through, I tried plant medicines, ayahuasca and mushrooms and all these insane things that were beautiful in their own way. But what really brought me back home was learning about my breath and learning about how conscious respiration can center me back. So this goes for all parents, all people that are interested in how do I find my center without having to take a bunch of pills or supplements or another cup of coffee. You have all the tools right in you. It's just learning how to use them effectively uh, as nature designed us. That's such a great point too, is, you know, often in health, it's easy to get distracted by the silver bullets and the shiny new biohacking things. And those certainly can be great and have their time They're fun. place, but we're talking about something that's free that you're doing anyway. And so it's like, if you, and you're doing all day long. So it makes sense. If you can optimize this, it helps kind of have that carryover effect. And it seems like it almost would be a self-improving cycle in that when we learn to breathe better. And like you said, that's reducing our stress. It's creating these physiological changes that also probably helps us continue to breathe better. And so it's like, just like you can get in a negative cycle. If you maybe don't optimize that part, it would seem like this one change could create this very positive cycle going forward as you optimize it more and more. And you mentioned that circular conscious breathing um, and you explained it a little bit. Can you kind of give us a deeper explanation of what that specifically means and how it maybe differs from just the unconscious breathing we do all the time? Yes. And if it's okay with you, I'll just do a quick demo. Is that all right? 
All right. So everyone, if you're driving, don't do this. But if you're seated, put your right hand on your belly button and put your left hand on your heart and just close your mouth and just push your tongue to the roof of your mouth, but relax your jaw. Take a big breath in through your nose and then breathe out through your mouth. You just performed a circular breath. So when you do that over the course of time, connected with no pause at the bottom, no pause at the top, eventually what's going to occur is your body is going to become fully oxygenated. The cool thing about this, both science and spiritual, is that when you do the circular breathing, you're giving your body every possible thing it needs to be in your center. Now, what does that mean? Being in your center means that you're not pulled by that sympathetic branch of your autonomic nervous system. So you could actually use that circular breathing I just showed you. In our breathe program, we have five minutes, seven minutes, 21 minutes. Those are our meditations. Those are the practices. Every single person that does this over the course of three weeks, they report the same thing. Either, you know, Josh, I realized I can't relax <laughs> or I realized I still need to go longer or, hey, I really found my center when I was in traffic, when I was with my child, when I was with my relationship or spouse or work, a lot of people, Katie, that have public speaking. I know you're perfect with public speaking because at the Paleo Conference, you sat outside with a bunch of people and it seemed like public speaking was natural for you. But for a lot of people, it is like considered to be almost the fear of death to be on a stage and be a public speaker. In our program and both in my own life, I practice and I teach controlled respiration in this circular format so that people can find their center. Now, there's also another style of breathing. It's called box breathing. Box breathing was um, developed, I believe, by Mark Devine and Special Ops, but I'm sure they learned it from somebody who created it a thousand years ago. Box breathing is where you inhale through your nose, you hold at the top, you exhale through your mouth, and you hold at the bottom. So there's only two ways to breathe. It's either circular or box. Circular, which we just described, is really about finding your center. Now, box breathing is when you're going through extreme stress and you want to find your focus. So those are two styles of breathing. There's also the acute style breathing, which is like the pranayama or the emergency breathing, which is like a quick inhale and exhale only through the nose. There's cooling breath. There's sleep breath. There's relational breath where you can actually tune in using that same uh, tool of HRV and heart coherence by a company called HeartMath. One of the things that we go over in the program is how do we achieve heart coherence with our partner? And what kind of breathing will allow us to actually connect to our partner's nervous system? So long answer to your short question, but the circular breathing is the breathing that can center us. And that is the most important breath, I believe, is that circular breathing. Not that the box isn't important, but we all need to learn how to breathe like a circle because the earth is round, Katie. We live in a round world. Our, our life is not this linear boxed life. We need to learn how to use our breath so that we can adjust to the demands of this modern world that isn't always so linear and isn't always so predictable. And you also use the term, the mind to muscle connection. And I really love that phrase. And you've touched on a little bit like the enteric nervous system and the autonomic nervous system, but can you go deeper on that mind to muscle connection and kind of what is happening over time as we learn that? I love it. You, it's time for us to put on our science hats right now because we have this brain stem and it goes through all of our arterioles and our veins and our capillaries these micro branches, almost like if you look at a tree, you know, a tree and our vascular system are so, so similar. Every single message coming to and from the brain is on an efferent and an afferent wavelength. We are electrical beings. And so if we're getting these messages back and forth from all these sensory neurons, the photoreceptors in our skin, we are the most beautiful creation, aren't we? We are so incredible. We are such an amazing piece of machinery. What happens is, is when we're going to this mind-muscle connection, we are actually grooving in those afferent and efferent connections to the brainstem. Within the brain, we have literally hundreds of millions, if not trillions, I don't know the exact data on it. We have an unthinkable amount of synaptic connections in our brain. Like if you're in the forest, Katie, and you went on the same path day in and day out, eventually you would carve a trail, right? Well, the brain is the same way. And so if we're practicing over the course of time, and, and science shows it's either 21 or 66 days to have any kind of habit, both physiologically or mentally, within three weeks, I have seen people literally transform the way they adapt to stress because guess what? They're walking in the forest on a new path. The synapses in their brain are literally and figuratively both being changed. They're walking and grooving new neuroplasticity within their brain 
by this circular conscious controlled respiration. And then guess what? The next time after those three weeks that they have the same fight, the same traffic jam, the same screaming child, the same fill in the blank stress, they are able to meet that stress with a more open heart, with a more relaxed nervous system. That is a massive tool that anybody can use at any time. And that is really what this mind to muscle connection is about. We are physical beings. We are also spiritual beings. So I'm not going to get too woo woo on your podcast right now, but look, both of these branches deserve respect and deserve attention. When you hold your child, you don't exactly know what love is with your words. You only know what love is because you know the feeling of love. Well, it's the same way that you connect with your own self. If you can be in your body when you're experiencing stress, you can learn to love yourself more. Yes, this might seem a little soft and a little mushy, but this is what life is about. I mean, I just had my heart crack completely wide open having my son. So I think about science just like you, but also the other side of the coin deserves respect too. And that's what this breath and this mind muscle connection can give us. Um, the actual connection to what it's like to be in our physical body, which is where a lot of us through trauma and through different things that happen, we tend to leave our physical body when we're stressed because our physical body isn't safe. And a lot of people deal with this. I believe um, Seth and I talked about Mark Wolin and I introduced him to Mark Wolin. And I think you've either interviewed him or maybe not, but it's such a powerful thing to talk about. There is so much more than meets the eye when it comes to how we actually deal with stress, deal with trauma, deal with compression in our lives and breath, in my opinion, is the most powerful tool we have. I'm really glad you brought up the self-love and trauma piece because um, episode three of nine, 309 of this podcast, I talked a lot about my own trauma in the past and uh, the things I did. And it was very much a long journey and multifaceted to figure out what was finally going to help unpack some of those things. But I've heard from literally thousands of people since then who shared their own stories. And I think we have an epidemic of sorts of people really struggling with that self-love component and people with past trauma who are having trouble finding tangible ways to process that. And so that's another reason I was so excited to chat with you today is that um, just like in other realms, there's all these silver bullet, shiny, fancy things that people do to help process trauma. And I think they all can have their time and their place. I know we've got um, organizations like MAPS doing incredible clinical studies uh, that are now in phase three on some substances that they're finding can be really helpful for this. But I view this kind of like with you know, people want to take all these fancy supplements, but if you don't have your diet and your sleep optimized, the supplements aren't going to be that effective. Same thing with like, yeah, you might need these more intensive therapies depending on what trauma you have, but if you don't have the breath optimized, it's not going to be as effective as it could be. And I think it can be hard to understand how something as simple as breathing can make such a profound difference. But I think when you frame it in that that aspect of self-love and feeling safe in your own body. That's a, a really key phrase. I think it was for me at least. And I think for a lot of other people, um, that was one of my final keys that had to click into place was that I was doing all the dietary stuff and I was doing all the supplements and I had even optimized my sleep pretty well, but because of the trauma side, I didn't feel safe in my own body. And when that shifted, all of the other stuff got so much easier and fell into place and my health issues resolved. And until I experienced that, I would never have believed just how profoundly of an impact that can have. And I think, yes, it can be a little bit more soft and spiritual and woo, but I think you also, it's really important to talk about and delve into and not discount how extremely important that is for the physical side as well, because I think our world kind of naturally predisposes us to try to disconnect those things. And we live in a society that is somewhat disconnected and, and tapping back into that can be an interesting process for a lot of people, but such an important one. Do you have any other tips? I know that you've worked with so many people on this for helping to start to establish that self-love and that inner peace connection. Mm, I love this. I love your question. I love it so much because it really takes me to a place that I ignored personally for so long. And that is, I wasn't inhabiting where I live. My body right here, if you're watching us on video, our bodies, it is the only home we will ever have. So just let that land for a moment. If you are not happy where you live, right, Katie, you've moved a bunch in your life. We all move. If you don't like your house, you move. Well, what happens is, is that we all are matched to our house at birth. This is where we live. So me personally, I used to be 280 pounds. I've gained hundred pounds. I've lost hundred pounds. Like I've run the gamut on weight gain and weight loss. So I found a drug really early in life. And that drug was called food. Maybe you've heard of it. Like we all, I think have had our relationships, maybe our battles with food. And so what we're looking for with food is we're looking for that deep breath. Most people, when they have um, eating disorders, I did a 
uh, a great talk that I can send to you um, on what we crave from Aaron Smith, the What We Crave Summit. And, and in my research and in looking at all the speakers, guess what? We are all looking for the same thing. And that is a deep breath. You don't actually eat the food because you want the food. You eat the food because you want the peace. You want peace. That peace is something you don't feel in your body. I didn't feel it for a long time. And so I got to this place where I really was like feeding an empty ghost. And this is what Gabor Mate talks about, right? The hungry ghost inside of all of us. Everyone deals with this. So Katie, if we want more self-love, we have to be comfortable living in self. Like I said earlier, we're this spiritual being. Nobody knows where consciousness comes from. We're all figuring that out. Nobody knows why the SA node inside of the heart beats. Why can you take a heart out of one person and put it in the other? Where does that actually come from? Well, in my opinion, it's God. Y- y'all can learn whatever you want about your higher power in your studies. I believe there is a omnipresent being that is loving awareness. And that's it. Loving awareness of all things. And so when we get down to the nitty gritty of what it really means to be a human, what it really means to love thyself, if you want to love yourself, you have to know yourself. And if you don't know yourself because your parents, society, school, and all these things tried to distract you of who you actually are, then the very first thing you have to do is a pattern interrupt. Like literally just like this, you have to interrupt yourself by maybe a lot of people, Katie, they'll get a a divorce or they'll have a leg break or they'll have a tragedy. That is that pattern interrupt that happens that gets them back to loving themselves because that's what they needed. Some people need to get their ass kicked a little bit so they can get back to center and understand who they actually are. So then they can turn to themselves, look in the mirror and be like, wow, I actually really love you. I'm so sorry for abandoning you. We all abandon ourselves at certain points in life. And this is both uh, on a psychological level and also on a physiological level. For me personally, the reason that I use the food and that I needed more padding, which is really what fat is, it's padding, it's protection, is because Katie, I didn't feel safe. And when I don't feel safe, what do I need to protect myself? Well, I need some kind of fortification. For some people, it's muscle. For some people, it's fat. And so there's lots and lots of programs and lots and lots of things out there, but they all deal with talk therapy, Katie. And in my opinion, the only way you can move energy out of the body that's trying to make you not love yourself is by breath and movement and actually getting that stuck energy out of your tissues. You and I both know We have this Bruce Lipton who's famous for being quotation. I believe it's the issues are in the tissues. Well, why is that? Why is that that we have actual issues like trauma and constriction in our tissues? It's because that energy is asking to be moved. Emotion is energy in motion. So what happens when we don't move the motion? Well, then that energy gets stuck. So it's actually quite simple, but just because it's simple does not mean it's easy. (laughs) A lot of these concepts we're talking about today, yeah, they might be simple, but they're not always easy to execute. And so that's where getting coaching and having support to take these tools for breathing will take you to the next level because you actually can get held, which is what you want, so that you can use the breath and use the tools to move the energy. That's what this is all about. And you also mentioned that this is breathing is something that can be done with a partner to kind of sync up and to feel like in the same relational space. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. And also now that you're a parent as well, and this is so top of mind for you about how we can incorporate that with our kids, because unfortunately I've seen a lot of data from the last couple of years about how the stressful situations we've all gone through the past couple of years have especially impacted the mental health of children. And even without all of those factors, I know kids go through various phases of learning to process their emotions, to feel safe in their environment. And there's a whole psychological journey throughout the phases of childhood related to that. So I'd love to hear how we can start incorporating these more conscious breathwork practices with our kids from an early age to help them maybe not ever have to process so much as adults as you and I have, and to have this framework for a better, you know, breathing foundation for their whole lives. Well, first of all, kids don't do what you say, they do what you do. (laughs) And I'm sure you could tell me that a lot more, right? I'm just learning. I'm just starting. I'm three weeks in. But um, if I myself am quote, eating my own dog food. If I'm doing the things that I tell my kids to do and kids are watching me do it, well, guess what? They're going to mirror you. There are mirror neurons in the body. And so we are all empathetically wired. Kids, Katie, kids want to please. Most people don't know this. I spent a year, year and a half teaching um, youth martial arts. 
And this was in like um, year five or six of my fitness career. And what I found from my coach and, and just from working with kids is if I would use positive reinforcement with these young kids in martial arts, they would nine times out of 10 mirror back to me the behavior that I wanted them to do. When I would be upset with them or when I would get frustrated, they would naturally resist me. So what am I saying here? Kids want to please. There is that same empathetic wiring inside of them that it actually lives inside of us. So if you want your kids to use this circular breathe so that they can potentially have some of these traumas, and by the way, to be a human is to have trauma. We're never going to escape trauma, right? There's capital T and lowercase t. But if you want your kids to have a, a greater tool set about how to deal with the, the two types of trauma, the best thing you can do is actually have what I call breath breaks. So you take this breath break, you sit down, you know, wife, husband, family, you all get together, however you relate is fine. And you say, okay, we're going to take a breath break and you give a positive reward. As you know, Katie, the limbic system, the reward circuitry in the brain, if we're giving the limbic system novelty, we're novel beings. This is why like these things, these phones are so popular. If we are constantly checking Facebook and Instagram, guess what we're looking for? Look at the work of Nir Ayal. He's been on the podcast. He actually helped Facebook and Twitter make the products more addictive. And then he had like a come to Jesus moment where he was like, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't addict people to these social media outlets. What did he say? They are all looking for the variable reward. So how do we create this conscious respiration with our kids? We apply the variable reward to their young minds. We sit as a family. We take a breath break. There's a reward when we breathe. Maybe it's a healthy treat. Maybe it's that we all get to go to the park. Incorporate breathing in these fun breath breaks with your kids, and you can actually have them draw the circle, draw the box. You know, Do those things as a family, as a unit, so that you can behave together exactly how nature designed you to be. And that was relaxed and at peace and in love. Does that make sense? Like, did that answer your question? Have the breath breaks with your family, get out a piece of paper, have your kids draw a circle, have your kids draw a square and say, hey, practice with mom and dad, practice this breathing. And then afterwards, there's a, a variable reward, a treat of some kind, doesn't always have to be food, so that you're actually moving your kids in the right direction from that positive reinforcement. I saw this time and time again, when I worked in martial arts, I know this will work. Obviously, I can't communicate with my three-week-old son. He doesn't use words yet, but I'm sure when he can use words, like he will love doing this with us. It'll be a part of our life for sure as a family. And in the meantime, I know there's some cool data that I've seen. You probably have encountered it as well about the just the breathing interactions between parents and their children. And I had one child who was in the NICU for a couple of weeks and they would really encourage skin to skin. A couple of weeks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was- I just want to uh, hug you right now. Yeah, That's he, rough. He was early and um, thankfully is- you, like incredible now has no lasting effects, but, um, I had placenta previa and emergency C-section and he was in the NICU for a couple wow. of weeks and they talked so much, especially with the micro preemies about how that skin to skin was vital for temperature regulation, but also because babies would interact with and like mimic the breathing patterns of their parents mm -hmm. and the heart rate. And so even pre-verbally when we are holding our children and in, in that probably relaxed state ourselves our child picks up on that and their nervous system adapts. And so it's really cool that even from the, the earliest of moments with our kids, and of course, while they're in utero as well, they're interacting with our nervous systems and we're interacting with theirs and they can, if we're able to stay in that calmer state, I feel like our kids do pick up on that. And as parents, I'm sure many people listening have had experiences of if we are chaotic and stressed, our kids feed off of that. Whereas conversely, if we're maintaining a state of calm, our kids benefit from that as well. And so I think your point was well made that they do what we do and not what we say. And that that's always, of course, the first step, even in simple things. Like if I sit down and draw, my kids are much more likely to sit down and come draw with me than if I was like, Hey, you guys should draw and be creative. It's they mimic what we do. Or if I, if I work out, they're much more likely to come join me and it's play for them versus if I just told them they should get some exercise. So I think that's a great, a great starting point. And, and I know like the importance of community is so important when integrating any new habit. So if people are able to do this as a family, not only does that create benefit for everyone, but it also probably makes the habit much more likely to stick, I would guess. Yeah, I would say you're guessing right on. And I just want to presence what you said. We were, I haven't talked about this yet. You're my very first podcast interview I've done since, since we got back. We were 10 days. We were 10 days in the NICU. And so like when you said that, my heart just dropped because it was so traumatic. I mean, God, like it, it brings up emotion in me right now, just thinking about it. Like 
all the leads attached to him. And, and it was really intense. And if I didn't have my breath work, like, I don't know what I would have done really. Like I, first of all, she had to have emergency C. We, he was 10 days there. I had to fight the hospital to get him back. They wanted to do a spinal tap. They wanted to do extra antibiotics. I literally had to pull on 18 years of being in wellness and bring them study after study and second opinion. And then we had, we had CPS called on us because we weren't like being good parents. I'm just like, oh my God, the Western medical system is great. It's great. It saves lives. And there needs to be a deep inventory of the practices that exist there. So yes, I wanted to presence that for a moment because it's so insanely traumatic. And this, my heart goes out to every single parent that has ever had their baby in the NICU. Like, yes, they save lives, but also there needs to be a deep inventory of the, the systems and practices that go on there. So if I didn't have my breath, Katie, I don't know what the hell I would have done. Like there were moments where I wheel her up there and I'd go off and I'd go to the bathroom and I would sit in the bathroom and I would breathe like a circle for seven minutes. I would like just do the breathing <laughs> because I knew that it wasn't just the time for me to walk my own talk. It was like literally how I've trained myself over the past five years. That was the only thing that allowed me to, to stay grounded. And there were moments that I wasn't, as I'm sure you can relate to, being in the NICU and worrying about your baby. It's like, it's, a, it's the most insane thing any parent could ever experience. But the breath is the only thing I had. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't eating crappy food. Like I was in the hospital. So that was a beautiful space for me that I can share, like that really allowed me to surrender to what was happening instead of trying to fight what was happening. And yes, of course I experienced waves of anger too, but what really saved me was all this training I've been doing since 2016, all this training I've been doing, it was almost as if God said, okay, well, now that you've trained, you're ready. <laughs> Here's your initiation into being a parent, you know? So yeah, I just, I wanted to presence that for you and all parents that go through that. Yeah. And that's an interesting point as well that I feel like has a crossover metaphor into maybe like physical training and exercises, you know, strength is, strength is built under load. We don't build strength by just thinking about the theory and the practice of strength. We build it, huh. testing it. And that's been a recurring theme for me as well. These last couple of years is, um, and I even had a mentor to say that to me recently when I was stressed out about a lot of things and I'd done all this work and he was like, well, that's cute. You thought you were going to get all this strength and not have it tested. Strength is developed under load, you know? And like, this is when you actually get to see if those things are going to work Yeah, and it, we're all going to encounter things in life that we would maybe choose not to go through if we got to choose, but instead we get to choose to maintain that inner peace and that inner calm and that feeling of love and kindness and gratitude, especially in the hard moments. And I think maybe that is part of the, the lesson and the journey. And when we really get to test it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I feel like I am coherent with you right now. You asked me earlier and I skipped over the question. So I want to go back. You said, how do we connect to our partner and how do we go through that relational conscious connected breathing? If you look at the work of heart math, Heart math is probably, I think they were first on scene, Katie, in the scientific community when it comes to HRV and this term called coherence. So we've done a lot of episodes on this. It's a little device that you wear on your ear, and it actually allows your respiration to be matched with your heartbeats. So when you have heart to body or heart to mind coherence, you actually can increase your HRV, you can decrease your stress, you can become a better breather, essentially. So we have some data and some practices in the breathe program that allow people to wear that little device on their ear, uh, train themselves over time, have some feedback on their phone so that you can actually see yourself, both data and anecdotally, uh, become a better breather. And when you can become a better breather, you can practice this with your spouse, your partner, you know, however you relate, and you can actually compare your data together but more than that, you can practice breathing like a circle together. That, that's essentially what this is all about. And I hate to be so reductionistic, but, but yo, it's just so easy here. It's so simple. If you breathe like a circle and you breathe with the right posture and you just combine good posture with good breathing, I absolutely promise you 100%. And I say this because it's my own experience and thousands of people in the program, you will have a higher quality of life, period, end of story. Like if you're the kind of person who has been stressing out, especially Katie, with what we've gone through, the hell we've gone through since 2020, there is no better time to become a better breather, but you have to be in a trusted space where it's not just a bunch of woo. There actually is some science behind it. There is some real data and some real significance to this process that I've created. Trusting your teacher, trusting your community is huge. 
the results will speak for themselves if you have the trusted container or spaciousness, essentially a vetted space with both science and spirit for you to learn. So if you can learn how to breathe, then you can learn how to choose. It's written on my arm, but it doesn't have to be written on your arm. You can just practice the breathing in a, in a space that's trusted and it'll allow you to connect better with your partner, with that coherence, to connect better with yourself, with that coherence and give yourself some accountability along the way. You know, we really need as human beings, that external locus of control. Sometimes, sometimes we, we really just need to, to be obliged. I, I interviewed Gretchen Rubin, as I think you have too. And she talks about obligers. I'm an obliger personality. So I do really well with external frameworks of control. So when I can see things, when I can have frameworks around me, if you're that type of a person, this is the program for you. This, this is the path because we really fortify the space around you so that you know, you can see, you can feel that you're on the right path. Oh, I did interview her as well. And I was the rebel. So it, our thing was, you can't tell me what to do. And I can't either, which was the thing I had to overcome. I couldn't even like give myself too intensive structure or I would rebel <laughs> as well. Yep. This podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley Apple Cider Vinegar Complex, and they are capsules, which is important because you can get all the healing properties of apple cider vinegar into your daily diet without the fuss or the burn or the taste that some people just don't like. Apple cider vinegar is really cool because it's been shown to support digestion and the proper breakdown of proteins and amino acids for better absorption. It's also known for improving blood sugar response, and this helps a lot with satiety and cravings. The main ingredient is acetic acid, which supports in the body and extracting nutrients from food. And using this by the body may actually help increase, like I said, satiety and help the body avoid storing excess fat, which uh, is really cool if you're trying to lose or maintain weight. Paleo Valley combines apple cider vinegar with other healing spices like turmeric, ginger, cinnamon, and lemon so that you get extra benefits for digestion. This means that taking it with a meal can help you get the most bang from your buck from your food since it stimulates the body's natural ability to produce HCL, which protects the stomach from pathogens and helps us break down our food. Other research shows that its ability to really help with blood sugar control. And there was even a cool study on type two diabetics who took two tablespoons before bed and saw a 4% to 6% reduction in their fasting blood sugar the next morning, which is a big deal if that's something that you're tracking. You can learn more about this and all the Paleo Valley products by going to paleovalley.com forward slash mama and make sure to use the code mama15 to save 15%. So again, that's paleovalley.com forward slash mama, M-A-M-A, and the code mama15, M-A-M-A 15 to save 15%. This podcast is sponsored by Olipop, a company reinventing the idea of soda. It's no secret that most things that we think of as soda are not so great for your body with the massive amounts of sugar and often added artificial ingredients. But Olipop is a new kind of soda that tastes just like the sodas we grew up with, but unlike other sodas, it's packed with natural ingredients that are actually good for you and that help keep your gut happy too. They have delicious nostalgic flavors like vintage cola, classic root beer, orange squeeze, cherry vanilla, and strawberry vanilla. Strawberry is my current favorite, but I really enjoy all of their flavors. And they use functional ingredients that combine the benefits of prebiotics, plant fibers, and botanicals to support the microbiome and to benefit digestive health. There's also a massive difference in the sugar content. Their vintage cola has just two grams of sugar compared to a regular cola that has 39 grams of sugar. All of their products are non-GMO, vegan, paleo, and keto friendly with less than eight grams of net carbs per can. And they're so confident that you will love their products as much as I do, that they offer a 100% money back guarantee for all orders placed through their website. We've worked out a special deal just for Wellness Mama listeners. Save 15% off of your purchase. I recommend trying their variety pack if you want to find what flavors you love the most. This is a great way to try all of their flavors. And you can grab it at drinkollipop.com slash wellnessmama or use the code wellnessmama to claim the deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P dot com slash wellness mama and you can also find them in many stores including kroger whole foods and sprouts i really think that all these things that you've said really drive home that point of just how important and core this habit is like i said and it, it crosses over into every other aspect of health and it's a free daily habit that we can all learn from and benefit 
throughout our whole life from. Um, the data, especially right now, I'm a data nerd, so I always go back to this, but it's really cool. Um, we know that we're seeing a huge rapid increase in things like dementia and Alzheimer's, but we also know that people who make a regular habit of breathing and meditation, their brains are on average 7.5 years younger than those who don't. So this is an extremely yes. tangible science-backed way. And even just, you mentioned the oxygen component, like that impacts every system in the body in a very, very profound way. And so that, that's why I just like, I think really important to drive this home as a, a core foundational habit that will cross over into every other aspect of health. And I want to make sure, of course, the, the links will be in the show notes, but I know that you have a very specific course related to how to integrate this habit. So can you just talk a little bit about that before I have a few more questions I want to move on to with you? Yes, Katie. I, I love how much into science you are. And I also want to point out, like, there are some things in life that we can't always explain. And I think for me, maybe you can relate, like, it, it kind of bothers me. I'm like, I want to know why. <laughs> I want to know why something exists. Like, show me the data, show me the things. When it comes to breath, I built this program. It's a three-week program. It's called Breathe, Breath, and Wellness. And I have a really special gift that I can share with your community at the end as well. And this, this is really about getting people to clear their stress by using their breath. I know that's very simple, but the only way you can clear your stress is by using your breath to consciously respirate. Notice I said conscious. It's actually taking back your breath so you can let go of the old stressors. By the way, both physically and emotionally, I talked about my weight gain and, and you and I both have, have shared that in our lives. This program is built for people that want to, in three weeks, learn the fundamentals, the, the brass tacks, the things that are actually going to allow you to groove those synapses in your brain so that you can apply this conscious respiration in three phases. And this program has acute stress breathing practices. We have meditative practices. And then we also gear people towards one-on-one -on -one coaching with myself that is more of a catharsis uh, breathing. And that is for journey breathing and for letting go of a lot of things that are much deeper. I've had a lot of people cry with me. I've had a lot of people shake. I've had a lot of people get rid of some very dark things. I'm not, a, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. This is not medical advice, but those three phases, the acute meditative and the catharsis, those are the things that we cover in the most depth for the average person like you and I, who doesn't want to sit on a mountain and, and chant like this is for the grounded person that just wants to get the real science, the real practices in three weeks or less in a guided format. So you have accountability to actually get a result. That's what this program is all about. I love that. And it's the shaking part that you mentioned, like the catharsis of that. I had that experience as well in trauma processing. I thought I had talked through and processed a lot of it. And then when I had the actual like body somatic experience of processing it, I likened it to when an animal is almost killed, like in a nature show. And then they get out of the dangerous situation, animals instinctively like shake and they release all that extra, all the extra That's right. hormones. And as humans, we kind of have a little bit more control over that. And often we can like pack down that response. And that's what I had done in the trauma was be like, I, I will never feel these emotions again. I put up walls and like locked it down. And then when I finally unpacked that and was able to like release that trauma, I shook for hours for like two hours, all those hormones just came out and it was such a profound experience. And that was kind of the thing that started the cascade of hormones changing. And for me, being able to lose weight to your point as well as I started to feel safe in my body again, because I had to release yes. that somatically. Um, and I think that is a tough thing for a lot of people to get to. And, and breath is probably the easiest, most accessible tool to be able to start doing that. So I love that you brought up that component as well. Katie, it's, it's tough to wrap your head around for maybe a lot of people, what you just said, but it's because the solution isn't in your head. That's really what we're talking about here. Like for most people that have been through capital T severe trauma, and by the way, we all go through lowercase t trauma. Trauma, trauma is not necessarily just sexual, physical, mental abuse. Trauma is also maybe not being held enough, not being acknowledged enough, not being seen enough. There's so many variables in the emotional intelligence front that we're just beginning to, to both science and anecdotally understand. We know that um, a baby that potentially has trauma through circumcision, uh, an incredible documentary, American Circumcision. Uh, that's why we chose to not get our son circumcised because we did not want to traumatize him. There's also a lot of things that happen when uh, kids are growing up where they're bullied. And, and if you look at the research on bullies, it, the trauma that happens from bullying is so severe that when kids grow up, it actually stunts their expression. So all of us, Katie, and, and I'm so, I'm honestly so like, 
enamored. And I'm so grateful that you share about your own experience on your show because, man, haven't we all been through certain things? I mean, some people more than others, but we all go through these things. And so how do we make sense of it all? How do we wrap our head around something that has nothing to do with our head? Well, we have to get out of our head and we get into our body. That's the only way we do it. And so using practical language here, I'm just going to speak to everyone. You have to get out of your head. You have to get into your body. If you can do that and use breath as a bridge to connect yourself back home, right? To your heart, to your tissues, you will go through some shaking. I'm sure like you did, you will cry. I'll never forget. I was uh, the first time I ever did catharsis breathing. I was laying on the floor with a bunch of Navy SEALs and special operations people uh, through Mark Divine at SealFit. And I'm like, why am I crying? I just had like tears coming out of my eyes, but, but it was just my body releasing all these things that I didn't even know were there. And the last thing I'll say, cause I know I'm going on a tangent here, but I promise it'll all make sense is that we have experienced so much micro trauma in our life that the only way we can let go of that is to leave the mind completely. And you can't get it through meditation. I always tell people like the breathe breath and wellness program is for people that can't meditate. Well, <laughs> it's for people that have trouble meditating. So you have to get into your body. You have to get out of your head. If you have trouble meditating, this is the path for you with this breath work. I talked about this with Michael Ruscio just recently. Like we have to be able to be still, you know, breath work is for you if you can't be still. And if you tried to meditate and you've been kind of struggling with your meditation, like give breathing a chance because when you breathe, you can get back here and out of your mind. And then you can probably become a much better meditator. I know it's made me a lot better too. So thank you for letting me share such a long tangent, but it really makes sense for all of us that struggle being still. Yeah. Oh, such a great point. And uh, a question I love to ask as we get toward the end of our time is if there's a book or a number of books that have had a profound impact on your life and if so, what they are and why. Well, I have like hundreds. I remember I, somebody asked me this and I was like, you're going to make me say one book. <laughs> you're going to make me say one book. I, I really love Hawkins letting go the pathway of surrender. I would say that's the number one. Number two is um, David Data, the way of the superior man. And that's for women too. It's, it's, it's really this mastery path of, of health, wealth relationships, you know, the triangle that we're all walking here, but, but I love letting go because he has this approach and it's not necessarily Buddhist or Christian. It's, it's a non-denominational approach to letting go of the things that we're having struggle surrendering to. And why I love that book is I love the audio version is there's actual practical things that, that I've put into place over the past seven, eight years. Um, people don't know this, but I mean, I even launched the podcast in 2015 wellness force came from my own pain. It came from me fighting and not surrendering. So I just took it upon myself to discover like, okay, what are the tools? What are the things, what are the ways of being that I myself must do so that I can have peace in my own heart, peace in my own body, like the physical and emotional intelligence that we talk about, um, on wellness force is really a byproduct of my own lessons, my own learning my own trauma, my own like healing and with public spotlight on me, like how do I heal? And so I think if we all can like let go of the pride and the ego around healing and around uh, how do we have peace in ourselves, we can all just connect more with one another because everybody's got their own journey. Everybody's got their own battles. I'm sure there's a quote out there that I'll butcher, but you know, be mindful, be kind to people because everyone has a battle that they're fighting. And so we don't, we don't know what people are fighting, but these books will really help you if you're interested in stopping the war with self, stopping the fight within your own self, I think those two books can really help people. I love those recommendations. Those will be linked in the show notes as well at wellnessama.fm. And if you could leave one piece of advice with everyone listening, what would be the one piece of advice you would want everyone to know and remember? So whether it's with me or whether it's with someone else, you must do the work to be courageous and really to be brave that when you're in the face of fear and like the fear dragon is right there, or you're triggered by your partner or, or you're experiencing pain in your life. If you can do your work to take a breath when it matters most and love your wife, love your husband, love your children. And actually as Gay Hendricks told me on the podcast five years ago, love your fear, which might seem a little crazy. If you can do the work to love the things that scare you, and actually accept them and be friends with your ego and be friends with your pain. That is how you win the game of life. You win the game of life by treating it like a game because life can get so serious, Katie. Oh my God. Like there can be so much suffering in this world. 
So if we can train ourselves to have the courage and the bravery to really be present to what's going on and to do as much work as we can to love it, then that is what can set you free. That is what can connect you with the most enjoyable life. And that's how you win, but not win from a competitive standpoint. Win like in the same way as if you were playing tag with your kids in the park, you wouldn't treat it so seriously. We, we have become so serious in this world and I've fallen into it so much. I think if we can learn how to breathe and that can get us closer to, to the piece of advice I would want everyone to know. And now it's my turn to share a thing that's written on my arm, which is amor fati, which means love what is and not just ha. accept what is, but truly love what is even the hard things. And, and like we talked about earlier, that those are that's when we get to apply these things and learn such beautiful lessons. And I think that's a, a perfect place to wrap up. But you mentioned a gift for the audience as well. So I want to make sure we just touch on that briefly and I'll put links in the show notes as well. Is that Italian amor fati? Latin, actually. Latin. Okay. I have a memento mori on the other wrist. Okay. Yes. 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 It's a great reminder, isn't it? I've so enjoyed this, Katie. I, I didn't, this is the first time you and I are really um, tuning in as friends and as colleagues. So I just want to thank you for, for letting me be here and just share my experience. The greatest gift I can give to anyone is my own experience, but I want to give your community an incredible gift. And that is 20% off this program. You go to breathwork.io. That's breathwork.io and the code is wellness mama. So enter wellness mama, you get 20% off. And then for that, it's three weeks long. I have an absolute promise to everyone here that if you commit to something like this, you will change. You will change in three weeks because thousands of people have already proved it to be so. So it's the code wellness mama over at breathwork.io. That is the gift. Um, it's already a very affordable program. So do this instead of going out for drinks this weekend. Okay. Like <laughs> learn how to breathe instead with me. And thank you, Katie, for having me. And thank you to everyone for spending time with us. You guys, this is huge. Your time is your most valuable resource. So uh, truly from my heart to yours, thank you for, for being here with us. And, and thank you for hearing me out about the power of breath. I love that you said that because that's a thing I often say as well. Um, just gratitude for everyone for sharing their time. That's the most valuable resource we have. And I don't take it lightly that people share that resource with me on this podcast and with you today. And also very grateful for you and the work that you're doing. And congratulations on the new little one. Thank you. Nova says hello to the global community. Thank you, Katie. And thanks to all of you guys, as always, for listening. I hope you will join me again on the next episode. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.